To get to the root of why I hated myself, I had to do a, some serious work. Because I feel like everybody that struggles with like mental illness, depression, drug addiction, that anyone that struggles with that, there's underlying factors, right? There's like, there's stuff that we're burying inside, there's stuff that we're not letting out. Um, and that was my biggest thing, like Garrett Davis buried everything. I didn't talk, I was a tough guy, I buried it all down, so it's like, the first part to learning to love myself and not feel that way was like figuring out why I felt that way and then talking about it. Welcome to episode 143 of the AFT Construction Podcast. And in this episode, we are joined by Garrett Davis, who's owner-operator of GW Davis Construction. And again, in follow-up from our episode last week with Festus, this one I was super excited about. Garrett is someone who's dealt with uh, issues with addiction, um, and he's very open about that and sobriety and how that's made an impact on his life, you know, his focus. One thing he spent a lot of time about was knowing your worth and the value of us as humans and, you know, how we can be a resource and what he's done to build upon that platform and things that have happened to him or that he's chosen to do and how that's been a catapult to where he is now. And of course, as a business owner, how he's accelerating construction and now his company's had success. And despite the setbacks, which we all have, in fact, he just had his Instagram account, almost 100,000 followers taken, and his mindset to just look past that and rebuild and start over. Uh, just amazing content, information, um, value advice from Garrett. So without further ado, let's get started. This past May, we had an amazing Contractor Coalition Summit. This was in Nashville with Nick Schiffer from Menace Builders and Morgan Molitor from Construction to Style out of Minnesota. And we are now up for our second round of the Contractor Coalition Summit that'll be in Huntington Beach from Sunday, November 6th through Wednesday, November 9th. Go to ContractorCoalitionSummit.com, sign up, register. We have some amazing partners that'll be there sponsoring the event, amazing attendees that have already signed up. It's limited seating. We're only allowing 30 to attend. And again, this will be all things pricing, profitability, contracting, client expectations, scheduling, and of course, marketing and social media. Everything that we wish we knew in our business from the very beginning is all going to be wrapped up into just a couple of days. So we'll see you there in Huntington Beach in November. So welcome to the AT Construction Podcast. We have Garrett Davis with us. Welcome, Garrett. Thanks for having me on, buddy. I'm excited to have you on. And so Garrett is a GW Davis Company's owner, operator, lead carpenter, pretty much like most of us wearing a lot of hats, a lot of roles, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Cool belt on, running around, making meetings, you know, all the fun stuff. <laughs> so for those watching, I mean, Garrett still has a smile on his face, which I feel for him right now because he had built this incredible Instagram platform. You were mentioning you've been on since 2010. Uh, we connected after you did the Modern Craftsman, and I know you've had um, some amazing growth these last few months we have planned to talk about, but over the last week, freaking got hacked. So what happened, man? So I uh, woke up Tuesday morning, uh, did my morning routine. I, I, ever since I got sober, I kind of get up and I do a little meditation and um, kind of just get in the zone for the day, have a little quiet time, drink my coffee, and then I hop on Instagram and um, I went to get on and it was like asking me for my login information and I never log out of Instagram. So I was kind of like, what the hell, man? And I, I'm like, oh, whatever, I'll just sign in. So I put in my password. And it's like, your password's wrong. And I'm like, what do you mean my password's wrong? Because I change my password like every once a week, every two weeks um, to kind of keep it safe. And I have two-factor. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I can't remember my password. I'll, I'll two-factor it. 
send it to my phone. I send it to my phone. It says the code was sent and I don't get it a text message. So then I'm like, okay, I'll send it to my email. So I send it to my email. It doesn't come to my email. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Um, so I kind of was just like, okay, I've clearly have been, something's wrong. It's not normal. Um, and like no, no activity from what I can tell from anybody, no activity really went down. Um, but I could not get in. I tried everything. I talked to Joe Canning, um, cause he got hacked a couple times, like quickly, like he was out for like two months and then he got hacked again after he got back in. So I was like, Hey dude, what did you do? And he told me, so I tried those tricks, didn't work. Um, and I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm busy. My, I need to go on with my day. It's just social media, whatever. So I'm like, go through my day. And then, um, Wednesday morning I wake up, dude. And I had started a new account Tuesday night. I'm like, I might as well start one so I can keep showing progress of my build. And, uh, I wake up Wednesday morning and my account's just like non-existent. Like you can't find the life above anymore. It's gone. Yeah. Oh my like, gosh. Yeah. It's just completely gone. <laughs> so, so let me, so, so this is what I, the, the thing with social media that's really crazy. So I, I had Jenny Clement on and she was on early on. I mean, this is probably a couple of years ago, one of my first guests. And she has a massive platform and she actually had her stolen too because at the time, what the spam people were doing is they would email saying, hey, congratulations, you got the blue check, right? You know, the verification. Log in here and you're going to be verified. Da, da, da. So she logs in, not thinking about it, and bam, right? It's like someone trying to hold her hostage for like Bitcoin and we're going to, to sell your platform back and they stole her and she had a connection to Instagram so she got that figured out but I almost got hacked a couple of weeks ago I was at one of my employees he was turning 50 we're at his party and there's like a designer that follows me a credible designer and they're like hey Brad my account got hacked I need to verify with Instagram that I have like a friend on the platform that can verify I am who I am can you log in here and I didn't think much about it I should have like just right. ping, like there's something up here. So, so I say, yeah, whatever you need, just let me know how I need to help. Like they're all, we're going to text you. And then you just have to like confirm the text. So I give them my cell phone and then they're like being really aggressive. Like I sent you the text, where the F are you? And I'm like, okay, hold on. That's not the designer saying like, where the F are you? Like hurry and get this done, you know? And so I just ended up blocking it. And luckily, I mean, had they not have been so aggressive. I probably logged in and lost my account too. And it's like, just, just right. these easy ways to get So did you have anyone that was trying to like DM you or was it just completely taken over? So, so here, here's my thing. So, um, I, uh, I was at like 92,000, I think mm -hmm. followers. Yeah. And you grew up way fast. I think when you and I start following each other, you're like at 40 or 50 and then it's like, you've been doing really yeah, good content. Like, though, so it blew up and it, and so Instagram reached up to me and was like, Hey, um, we're, we're doing this new thing called reels bonus where you accept monetization and you can make money on reels, which I, I looked into it. It's real. Like other people were getting it. I'm like, okay, cool. So I, I did that. And dude, I swear, like my account went into a black hole after that, like instantly accepting money from Instagram, my, my post likes went way down. Um, my real views went way down. Um, I started noticing like, not like a ton, but like more spam pages were like starting to follow me a little bit. Like 10 would pop up here. Like, and I'm like, man, like what, what is going on? Um, so I actually emailed Instagram and was like, 
hey, like, what the fuck is up with my account right now? Because I'm not getting any love, like, and it's weird because I typically do. Um, and they never responded, and then it was like two days later, my account's gone. Man, that is just it's so bizarre. <laughs> and, and it's funny you say that because um, I, I've spoken to a lot of people that through Instagram, you know, they've monetized different aspects of it, you know, through Facebook, you know, if you qualify or Instagram. And the common theme has been that like traffic has been way down, you know, when you do that, that it's, it's a lot harder to grow. And maybe it's because they're pinning you down a little bit more to not give away just free funds. And, right. you know, it, 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 that growth was different as you met. Cause we'll get to that. I know you started a new Instagram, but you were having some amazing growth. I mean, where, where did you find that? Just that tipping point where it clicked and people were relating with you, Garrett? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think like, uh, so I was doing like a 25K giveaway, I think, like last year or something. Um, and then I don't know, man, my, my account, like, so I had like this like gnarly hit where I got like a shit ton of followers where people thought I actually went out and bought followers. <laughs> I, 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 know, I know some people still believe that I bought followers, but I didn't. Um, so, I mean, I'm just consistent, man. You know, like I posted every day. Um, I tried to do a post a day, a reel a day. Um, and most of the times my reels were getting good views. Like I was getting like thousands of views, like 20 something here, like 50 something here. I think I had one get like a million five. So it's like, I was just having good content and, and people were get. I was getting seen. And then it's like, I accept the monetization and it all went to shit, man. And now it's like, oh. my account's gone. It's like the life above is dead. It's like an end of an error, man. <laughs> <laughs> it is the end of an error. So what, you know, walk us through life above, you know, for those that maybe not know you or what that was. I mean, what was the tagline there? So, so in Maine, um, we're a bunch of like hillbillies and <laughs> every, everybody calls everybody bub. They're like, what's up, bub? Like, hey, bub. So when I started my Instagram, I was kind of like, um, I was in construction, you know, I started in construction at a young age. So I was like, you know, I'm going to make this about more my life than work. Cause that's not when, uh, contractors weren't really on Instagram when I first got on there. Um, or at least in my area. So yeah. I was like, this is, this is my in life. In 2010, so man, they were not on there. Anybody. So <laughs> right. No, yeah. no, no. So I'm like, this is my life. So I'm like, and everybody says bub in Maine. So I'm like, it's the life above. And that's how it became to be. Yeah, pretty simple. <laughs> well, I've never heard that being out West. I mean, I grew up in San Diego, been in Phoenix. I've never heard bub. And so I didn't know if that was like a personal nickname or where that came from. Oh no. Yeah. It's like a total common thing around here. Everybody's like, what's that bub? <laughs> <laughs> so, so born and raised in Maine. I mean, what, what brought you into construction? Yeah, I, uh, I grew, I've lived here. I've gone away. I've gone to a couple different States, but I always come back. Um, my uncle was a, was a home builder. So, um, I was just never, I don't know. I had really bad ADHD. School was never for me. Uh, I couldn't concentrate. Tests weren't my thing. Um, and I, I just always took on to like what my uncle did. And I thought he was kind of a badass dude. So I just was <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I really, he always had the sweet trucks and building houses and it just really appealed to me. Um, which is weird because I come from like, my father is like a suit. Like he was like in the corporate world and, you know, went to college and got straight A's and, uh, I, that just wasn't for me, man. Construction, working with my hands. Like as soon as I found working with my hands was like something I could actually do. Um, it really just, it went skyrocketed for me. I kept, I kept wanting to do it. Um, I worked up, I worked summers with my uncles when I was younger. Um, and then I tried college for 
uh, semester flunked out <laughs> and went to work construction full time. It's interesting because, you know, you speaking about that, Garrett, just this last weekend, there's uh, one of my neighbors, he's a doctor and, uh, you know, he's been in the medical profession his whole life. And we were just speaking about education, right? And it was interesting from him because he's at a point where he's retiring. I mean, he's in his seventies and ready to exit the medical field. And, you know, forever, most of us, you and I, even at our age and dealt with this, you have to go to college, you have to go to college, right? And it's tough because for me, I did college and yes, there were some pros going to college, but the cons, it's not for everybody. It's, it's, um, you, you know, for those that are really good test takers, it's great. You know, there is some collaboration you learn with peers, you know, how to group think, how to work together on projects, you know, coordinate and, and, you know, how to work hard, how to organize time. I mean, yeah, there's some great value, but the, the reality is that it's not for everybody. And What's interesting is the doctor, you know, his name's Gary Randall. He said, look, Brad, education to people doesn't mean you have to have some degree, right? Because blue's the new white. It's just, he's like, education could be, you could be a plumber learning from one of the top, you know, journeymen and really understanding the plumbing field. And it's no different for a doctor. In a lot of cases for people, you shouldn't just say everyone has to go to college because as you and I know, it's a very difficult industry construction, but there's a ton of opportunity. And I don't think I fully understood that at a young age. And that's the benefit of these discussions and platforms that kids can listen and say, Hey, I could be like Garrett. I can go have this amazing career, you know, and I don't have to go to the formal traditional, you know, college path. Right. It's crazy too, man. Cause it's so expensive. Like my wife has yeah. A tremendous amount of student loan debt still. We're we're thirty five years old, and it's like we have to pay a thousand dollars a month of our hard earned money. Yeah, and she's not even she's not even doing what she went to college to right. get a degree for. You know, like she doesn't even need it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's pain. It's painful, man. That's a lot of money every month. You know, and that's the, and that's the hard thing is you're you're you know as a kid you're coming in you're signing up all this debt all these loans right to live on campus to pay for books whatever it is. And then it may not even be that you're going to be in that career. And it's like, go to trade school, like go work in the field and, you know, go learn, you know, especially if you're someone that's more hands-on and isn't built to sit behind a desk. There's so much opportunity outside of the normal construction. And uh, what I love about your story, Garrett, is that you're super open about, you even led in the conversation by your sobriety. That's why you started Instagram. You know, how, how has that played a role just in who you are today as a person and why are you so open about that? Um, so, I mean, I, I just went to a really scary place. Like, uh, I'm almost, I'm like four and a half years sober right now and, and clean of drugs and alcohol. Um, it's just, uh, you know, I don't like to be anonymous. I don't like, you know, there's anonymity. Some people don't want to talk about it and I, that's fine. That's, that's them. But like, I like to be open because. I want people to know that there's a way out. Like if you're stuck in a dark place, there's a way out of that dark place. And um, that was a big part of my life above account. Like, dude, the amount of people that reached out to me about sobriety, like I hope they know that I have a new page because I talked to a lot of people. Um, luckily, I have the Skilled and Sober podcast and I have that page going. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I just, I, I was, uh, so so five years ago, man, like my life was not what it is today. And um, it's all because of getting sober a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, a lot of willingness, um, a lot, a lot, a lot. There's a lot to it, but um, I just want people to know that like, you don't have to keep living that lifestyle because I was so 
prepared that 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 was my life. I'm like, I'm gonna die this way. Um, and I was I was broke. I was lonely. You know, my business was struggling. I was failing as a human being, and um, I came out of it. And now here I am. You know, almost five years sober and. I've had every year of my business has gotten better since I got sober, you know, and here I, you know, I'm, I'm building like a $3 million custom home right now, which has been like the dream. Like that's the dream, man. Right? Like that's it the is. dream of being a business owner. Like I've had a custom going with remodels on top of that. I'm running a super successful business and it's all because I can put my head to the ground running because my, my mind's clear today. Like I was such in a fog before and when i started my business i was in a fog like a bad fog like my first two years were not good um so it's just that's why i'm open about it because i just want people to know you know that you can get out of it so it's interesting because i know you and i had a conversation offline you know even before the podcast you know just speaking about as you know your business is growing you're going this new venture just you know speaking just logistics of contracts and laying out pricing and stuff but what, what, what was it going back to sobriety? I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, how, how your life has changed in this turning point, but what was the tipping point specifically that, you know, made that change that, Hey, I need to get, I need to make some changes here, you know, to get my life and business. And as you mentioned, the human element back on track. Yeah. So I was, um, I started my business in 2015. Uh, so this is year seven, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, and I was just a horrible, I was a good, I was a good carpenter. Like I'm a good carpenter and, and, but I was a horrible contractor. You know, I was, <laughs> I, I was, I didn't know how to schedule. Um, I started my business with no, like, I was working for a company and he pissed me off one day and I was like, nah, I'm done. I'm going to start my own business. I had no, <laughs> I, I had no savings. I had no work lined up. I had nothing. I'm just like, I'm going to start my own business. And somehow like some work fell in my lap and it worked out, but like, I was just, constantly robbing peter to pay paul dude like i gotta get this deposit check so i can pay for the materials for the last job and and then i was taking deposit checks and you know putting them up my nose and spending them out the bar um i quick story quick story yeah please it's a good one (laughs) yeah Um, i had a i had a job like dude knowing your worth that's like been my biggest part of sobriety because i had no idea what i was worth like, cause I was, I was so hopeless and my drug addiction was just beating me down. Like I was like, Oh, I'm just such a pile of crap. So I'll take this job and I'll work for whatever. But anyways, I got this deposit check to do a job and I totally underbid it. Um, but I knew I could get some money out of this woman and I took like 14 grand deposit check and just pissed it away. Um, and then a month later, dude, she canceled the job. And I didn't have contracts then. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. So, so I, I had no, like, uh, you can only, you know, a percentage of this is non-refundable. And she's like, I want my money back. And I had to, I had to take money out of my wife's retirement fund, dude, to like give this woman her deposit check back. Like that's the type of person I was like, I was not a good person. Like my, my beautiful wife who has stayed with me, which is, she's a true angel. Um, the stuff I put her through to where I, you know, it's just like crazy. So, um, yeah, two years. So I want to come back. Yeah. I want to come back to the personal (laughs) worth. I think that's an important part, but I mean, when you speak about your wife, I mean, you know, what, what was that relationship like where you're like, Hey honey, I kind of messed this up. We need to take some retirement. I mean, 
you know, for someone being that patient to stick with you, I mean, she must have saw something though in you that said, hey, I know Garrett's potential and, you know, to work through this. Yeah, I mean, like the, that story kind of came out of you asking like about the sobriety and where I was like, yeah. So my, my two years in business, like was that, was that was like in a nutshell, like just complete insanity, uh, never making money, scrambling to get jobs, taking money, robbing people, not robbing, but robbing Peter to yeah, pay Paul. Run, yeah. um, so by year two, I mean, I was just, um, I was drinking every day. Uh, I was doing way too much cocaine. Cocaine was my drug of choice. Um, and I was, I got to the point where I just stopped working and, um, because I was doing it on my job, like the last year I was like working for people and I was snorting lines in my truck and just like my head was like, you know, I was, dude, I was turning into like a, a human skeleton. I was just walking around. I was like a zombie. And, um, my wife, by the way, didn't know I was doing cocaine. So I hid, I hid my drug addiction from my wife for four years. Mm -hmm. um, how, how, I don't know. Love is blind, right? <laughs> yeah but um two years into that I, I i actually overdosed um i almost died i flatlined um and uh that didn't stop me i went for another three weeks after that and then i overdosed again and that's when i i came to my sorry this is kind of heavy <laughs> no this is important garrett because you know here's and, and if i interrupt you for just a second i think yeah there's some points you're making there's so many times and going back to social media, I could look at Garrett and be like, man, this guy has it together. Amazing business. He's figured out content, tremendous growth, like his company's growing without realizing the demons we're all dealing with, right? And the thing is too much of our society, and it's not just being a male in our industry, but it's just like, we don't, we don't talk about, you know, the losses. We don't talk about the pitfalls. And as you mentioned, you know, running around and I deal with the same thing. Like people are like, oh, AFT has it figured out. I'm like, we didn't, I didn't know what I was doing for so many years and I'm losing money. I'm like trying to figure this out. This business is so complicated. And thankfully having a network of people that are willing to share and like, hey, fix this, do this, right? And the, the reality is it's not just the facade you and I are put on. The thing is like, there's been growth and challenges that we have to deal with. And when people hear your story, Garrett, they can say, man, I'm, I'm at a point in my life where I'm depressed or maybe dealing with mental illness or drug addiction. I mean, these are real things that so many of us go through or are, know someone that's going through. And so to have someone that says, hey, Garrett got through it, and you, you become a mentor because by sharing your story, being so open, people don't do that. And now you're like real. And so I appreciate that. I, you know, the more in depth you get, I always think that there's a ton of value for those listening. Yeah, I, I completely agree, man. It's just like, Oh man, I just like look back at my life sometimes like five years ago and I'm just like, holy shit. And like, it was just insane, man. Like, I think, I think running a, a successful construction business can be stressful. Like doing what I was doing was so stressful, like, <laughs> li like lying and, and manipulating and all of the crap I did to get my fix and to get what I wanted. Cause I was just a selfish, selfish person. Um, and so today, like, sharing my story and helping others is like a huge part of my sobriety. Like if I can share my story and it helps one person, like I've, I've done my, my duty for the day and it, um, like, and it, and it helps them because it helping them helps me, you know what I mean? Um, so that's why I, I just, I share it as much as possible. Like I don't stop counting, man. This has been the biggest accomplishment of my life. Cause like I said, I, I started at a young age, man. I started drinking when I was 12, you know, wow. I, was, I was smoking pot every day by the age 14 and 
by 18, I was doing coke, and that was, I hit the ground running after that. So, you know, it's also the trades, man, like, right? Construction industry, we're tough guys. We like to party. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, li- we like drugs, all this hoorah. And it's just like, it doesn't have to be like that. There's so many people that are sober in the industry too. And that's why, that's why I started Skilled and Sober to show other people in the trades world that there's a lot of sober people in the trades world. Like, and we're all success stories. Like as soon as our lives are a mess and then we get sober and it's like the fucking white light. <laughs> yeah. So, so what is the skilled and sober podcast you do? I mean, what you mentioned a little bit about the basis and intent there. Yeah. I just, um, I basically get, get a person on for like an hour, hour and a half and I let them tell their story. I don't really talk much on it. Um, I don't like to be too intrusive. I like the people to get on. I mean, people are being vulnerable. I've had people come on um, that have never done that before that, you know, didn't share their story. And then they're, they're doing that and we're going to put it out to the public on Instagram. Um, so it's just literally just hearing someone else's story. It's almost like an AA meeting for me, man. I get to sit there mm-hmm. and listen to someone else. Because um, honestly, like right now, I'm so, I'm so fucking busy, dude. <laughs> like, I, I, I can't get to as many meetings as I want. Um, so that's like a good time for me to sit down for like an hour and, and get re regrounded, recentered. Uh, and you know, it helps the other person. And then we put it out to the public and it helps, you know, we got not a ton. I think we got like 4,000 downloads or something, but there's only 12 episodes, um, so far, but that's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty cool, man. Well, what what I love about that, especially you being so open about not not just the sobriety but the countdown, is that, in in my opinion, it's twofold. One one it it creates this um this known goal or timeline, right? That you're like, I don't want to mess this up, and so it's just constantly in front of you that like, I I know what that past was, and I'm not going to go back to that. But also it makes people around you aware. So for me, example, if I'm around Garrett at some event. You know, I'm not even going to let you get to that t- temptation. I know that Garrett's sober. I'm like, we're not, no one's passing him a drink, right? And so as people are aware around you, I mean, you almost build a little community of people that are also looking out for you and then also a community of people that admire you, right? And it's a little twofold. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I was just at, down at JLC, like in uh, March down in Providence. And like, you know, they got the, you know, it's happy hour at the yeah, trade it's happy show. Hour. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, it used to really bother me, but now I'm like, you know, like, dude, my life's just too good. Like, and I know, like, I'm an addict. Like, I smoke too much. I smoke cigarettes. I've been trying to quit for a solid year now. And that's, like, my last vice, you know? Yeah. Like, that's my last thing. Like, and I keep being, like, I've quit alcohol. I've quit drugs. Like, I need my nicotine. I need my caffeine. Like, that's just, but, like, going to those events used to be really hard for me. And it was cool to go down this year and be around people. Like, that's cool. Like, if you can drink and don't have to do it every day, like, that's awesome. I wish I could do that because I can't. <laughs> yeah. I never, I never drank socially. I was drinking to get fucked up, and that's what <laughs> I did. You know. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I can relate with you. I mean, j- truth be told, I, d- I don't drink either, right, Gary? Like, so for me, going to those events, you know, it's like sometimes you felt a place, but you just own it, right? And I just own it. Like, I don't. That's not my thing. I don't drink. You may catch me at the Diet Coke with lime in it, but that's about the max, right? And you know, right. but you. you you know, the more that people understand that it doesn't even become, as you mentioned, a temptation. And what I love that you said is know your worth. And so many of us, not just from a human factor and a human element to understand our worth as individuals, or maybe the value we bring to our clients or customers or ourselves, but, but just the human side, right? That it's like, how do you understand the worth of an individual? And for you, whenever, 
where I've seen most people struggle is when you lose that self-esteem, when you have no confidence in who you are or the value, then all bets are off. Like it just, that's when people make decisions they regret, regret, or as you mentioned, addiction. I mean, you get in this lull. So what, what advice would you give to someone that maybe be struggling with their self-worth or their value, you know, to say, look, there is a brighter side to this. Oh man, that's kind of a hard one. I, I guess, Dude, I, I guess where it started for me was like learning to like love myself, as cliche as that sounds. Um, but I, I hated myself. When I, to get to the root of why I hated myself, I had to do a, some serious work. Because I feel like everybody that struggles with like mental illness, depression, drug addiction, that anyone that struggles with that, there's underlying factors, right? There's like, there's stuff that we're burying inside, there's stuff that we're not letting out. Um, and that was my biggest thing. Like Garrett Davis buried everything. I didn't talk about shit. I was a tough guy. I buried it all down. So it's like the first part to learning to love myself and not feel that way was like figuring out why I felt that way and then talking about it. Like, and I went to rehab for three days, uh, 30 days. Um, I, I, uh, as soon as I came clean about the mess my life was in, I, I went away to rehab. So it's like that's I just had to find like the roots of it and I and I did. Um and then I started to be okay with myself. Um I, I did I did like three months where I didn't work when I got out of rehab, um, to just kind of zone in on keeping the flow going of what I learned in rehab. Um but yeah, I I, I hope that kinda answered it, but I think like like I said, like talk about things, man. Like nobody talks about stuff, especially in our industry. It's just like I got a kid working for me right now and he suffers from depression. He tells me, and I'm just like, Hey man, like, you know, like after work any day, like I'm a set of ears, dude. Like if you need to talk about things and he's like, no, no, I'm okay. And I'm just like, all right. But you know, I'm, I'll be there the day that he wants it. And that, and that's all that, all that. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. They're, their company culture, their integrity, their honesty. You know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. For those of you that have listened to the podcast, you know how big of a fan we are of Build-A-Trend and that we have used this software for the last four years. And many of the guests that we've brought on the podcast are also Build-A-Trend users. And in this day and age, with as busy as all of us are in construction, as complicated as it is with escalation pricing, lead times, tracking, organization, 
all of us need a good project management software to help simplify and organize our business. And there are a couple features that we love a ton about Build-A-Trend. And one is the owner portal. The other is the daily logs. And these are features that we use daily, right? Half of my clients are out of state. And as an owner, it is so imperative how we communicate with our clients, with our team, with our customers. And through Build-A-Trend, this allows us that quick connection. They can check at any time. We can communicate with them. We're up to date. This has actually helped us win jobs, win projects because of that organization, especially at pre-construction. And Build-A-Trend also offers a ton of service on the back end, training and understanding and workshops you know, to help us use our software effectively. They also have the podcast, The Building Code. To learn more, head to buildertrend.com backslash AFT to get a 60-day money-back guarantee on your Build-A-Trend account. That's 60 days to make sure you love this product with no pressure, and I know you will. I love that because that, that's a big part of this too is the depression, right? That a lot of people are dealing with some sort of depression. And, and you know, the, the one negative of social media, I mean, we could speak all day on some of the positives like the network. I mean, you and I have met through that platform, but you know, the negative side is there, it, it can create uh, comparison, right? It can create maybe envy to some extent um, just because we're human, right? I mean, it's natural to say, well, what's Garrett doing? Like, how, how, how does he have it figured out? And I still don't have it figured out, right? And I can't right. get my life together or my carpentry division or my business, but yet Garrett's, you know, on, you know, on top of this mountain without realizing that you're fighting these same battles. And, you know, part of it is, you know, th- there's a fine line that you and I don't want to share every mistake, even though we could probably speak hours about this on the podcast, is because, yes, that's part of the business, but you know, you still don't want to show every flower where a client looks at this and says, oh man, I'm not hiring Gary. I mean, look at all these mistakes, right? So it's this fine line that we're trying to grapple and deal with, you know? Yeah. 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 We actually talked about that on the Modern Craftsman too, because I was like, I posted a mistake one time and they're like, oh, well, don't you want to be careful about doing that? I'm like, but we're all human, man. Like, yeah. And the whole, the whole point of the post is that I did a mistake and I made it right. You know what I mean? Like that just, the integrity's there, but yeah, it's a, Social media, man, it's it's weird. Like I was, I was absolutely devastated yesterday. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't like cry or anything and go sit in the corner. And, like, but I was devastated, man. And then today, like, sobriety has just taught me like acceptance, like acceptance in life, like things I can't control. The serenity prayer, um, and uh, I can't. I have no control over this. And it's like, if it's meant to be, I'll get my account back. If it's not meant to be, like. My life will go on social media. Um, it's social media. It doesn't pay my bills. Um, it's just like a cool, I think it's like the memories, man. I lost all the memories and that's just like, that sucks. That's, that's what it all comes down to. But yeah, because it's a, it's a working resume. It's a journal, but, but as you mentioned, I mean, I mean, you said you have now this, this mental state, you mentioned that in the mornings you wake up and you have this, you know, the, this moment, I mean, when did that come into play and how has that played a role just in, you know, your, your daily progress so at rehab when i with my first day there they're like uh we get up at six in the morning um and we go do 10 minutes of silent meditation and i was like fucking 10 minutes of silent meditation (laughs) does that mean i have to go into a room and sit with my own thoughts for 10 minutes Uh, they're like yes so um that started me on it man and i can remember my head was just that first 10 minutes, my head was just like all over the place. Like, I'm like, my life's over. Like, I'm never going to be able to drink again. I'm never going to be doing drugs again. Like, I'm in rehab right now. I had to leave my wife. Like, 
all these things were just going through my head. And now, like, I kept doing it. And then when I got out of rehab, I kept doing it. And then I just made it a part of my morning routine. I do it every day. I, I get up 10 to 20 minutes, man. I, I sit on the couch and kind of just, I can, I can kind of like zone off into another world now because I've been doing it for like almost five years. But it just gets me grounded, man. It's like, I already wake up with a pretty clear head. So like, that just sets me. Like, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes in that 10 to 20, I'm like thinking about how my day is going to go. Like what I'm going to have the guys do. But that's okay. Like that's, just, you know, I, I have to do that as business owners, right? We have to. Or um, that, that no efficiency is going to happen. Because um, I do have, I have three guys working for me now. So it's awesome. That's really cool. And so yeah. what's their roles? I mean, well, I want to get into business in just a second, but one thing, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. but, but I admire the, like just this positivity and like you have this presence Garrett, where you're extremely personable, you're a very good communicator. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, if anyone could take anything from your examples that what you said just a minute ago, you're like, Hey, you know, I lost my social media, but it's like, whatever, like it is what it is. Like, I don't dwell on these things. Like I move on. That is, is very unique at that uncanny ability where you can just not really dwell on things, let them eat you alive and just focus on the positive thing. And there's an architect, Mark Candelari, and I said this earlier on the podcast, one of the biggest things he said that's had a big impact on me as an entrepreneur, because both of us know the entrepreneur life is very difficult and it's strenuous. And, you know, those entrepreneurs that are positive and happy tend to have a lot more success, right? And he said, you know, Brad, so many times as entrepreneurs or business owners, we focus on the failures, right? Because it eats us up. I've made mistakes in my career. Maybe a project didn't go right at the client and it just sometimes I can't sleep at night or I have anxiety like thinking about where did it go wrong? This client breakdown, you know, what happened? And he said, but people aren't focusing on that. Like they're focusing on your success. Like why aren't you focused on your success in lieu of focusing on like the bad things? And it just changed my mentality that, yes, I may have this loss essentially here on this thing, project that didn't go as great as it should have. But on the flip side, I have all these clients that are super happy. We're training, you know, we're, we're better today than we were yesterday. And so it's like, focus on that because mentally that just puts you in a better state. Totally, man. Yeah. I mean, I could have, I could have dwelled on that, you know, oh my God, like 90,000 followers. But I was just <laughs> like, dude, it. I had a good run. Like, it's, yeah, uh, I, I'm still, I'm still Garrett Davis. Like, I, I, I'm still, I'm still working on my custom. I still have a lot of work lined up. Like, I got a, I got a child on the way. Like, that's way more important than, a, than, a, than social media. So it's like, I just, I had to, I had to just, I'm like, what will be, will be, and it's true. It will. It, it, it just, it hasn't failed for me since I got sober. Like, if I just like hand it up, man, to my higher power, like. It's yours, dude. It just seems to always fall into place for me. So, so bring us to where you are now. I mean, here you are, you're out of, you know, rehab, no relapses. It sounds like, you know, you've been able to overcome this and you're, you're four years strong now. Now with three employees, what are the roles, like the hiring process? I mean, how's the company evolved now? So I, it's actually a funny story. I, I, this guy wanted to work for me like, um, a year ago and I was just in a weird place and I, I was kind of like, I had just started breaking ground on this custom home that we're working on. And I'm just like, nah, it's not going to work out. And, um, I got to a point like, dude, when I talked to you this winter, oh my God, I was so fucking stressed out, man. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was, I was working by myself, like 
doing the interior partitions while talking to the plumbers and the heating guys and the electricians. I'm like wearing my tool belt, but walking around getting no work done. And then they're like, hey, we need a chase over here for the duct work. We need this. And it was just like, it was a lot. I was, I was, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was walking into work every day, not liking what I was doing. And that was like the first time that's ever happened to me. But it was just because I was, <laughs> I was on this huge house by myself. Like I was GCing it and working on it by myself. Um, it was super stressful. Uh, and when you, when you and I spoke on the phone, you said this, you're like, Brad, it's chaos. Like I'm trying to answer the phone out, my tool bag on, I'm running the project. I'm subbing things out. Like it's just, and I, I, I've been there so I can relate. I'm like, dude, it's just, it's so hard to be efficient when you got all those things happening. Yeah. So, so the guy, I reached out to him, um, like three months ago and I said, Hey, you still want a job? And he said, yes, I do, but I'm working for this company. Um, I'm going to have to give my two weeks. And so he gave this company the two weeks and the other two employees that he had been working with found out he was leaving and they're like, dude, we want to come with you. And I was like, I was, he's like, Hey, would you take on me and two other guys? I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm like, sure. Like let's all meet and talk and discuss what this is going to look like. So, um, they all three met up. It was all great. I hired him. Like they started two weeks later. The guy that I hired was a, a sober, a sober guy, or at least I thought he was. Um, I don't know if he's relapsed. I don't know what's going on, but something was wrong with him and he was acting up. And within two days I had to let him go. But the other two guys stayed <laughs> and they've been great. Like Gabe is actually 20. He's young. Um, and Devin is 22. Gabe was homeschooled and worked for his brother, like doing construction for like his whole life, basically. So he's 20. He's like a 20 year old with like the mindset of like me, like a 30 year old. Um, and his skill set is like incredible like i'm blown away dude i thought the kid was going to be full of shit i'm like yeah okay 10 years experience whatever yeah and i mean i'm telling you dude he like knows how to run tools he can do trim work he can do framing he it's like so he's kind of like my lead dude like i've been having him do all the finishes on the interior right now of our custom and he's killing it um and then i just hired a new guy on jake uh who's also skilled and um devin is kind of like our laborer he's like our cut guy go get go get this go get that guy um and that's fine you know i think every job site needs one of those and kind of when i leave i kind of leave gabe in charge uh but i've been tool belt on um able to be there most days uh making sure everything's getting done um and we're we're on the home stretch right now dude we've been i've been on this project for a year it's the longest project i've ever been on and we're like I have a July 1st deadline. I'm probably going to be two weeks off, but for my first big project, uh, I think I, good. And the times, then the times we're in right now too, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> oh, it's really good. All of us know supply chain. So hi, th this is intriguing to me because most companies struggle when they're thinking, Hey, when's the time to hire? When do I bring someone on? It's just me. I'm used to that, but now I got to figure out payroll for this person and cash flow, And we know, you know, just all the little nuances of hiring somebody, but you go from like zero to three and it's like, I mean, the commitment and just forecasting and confidence to say, I'm going to keep you guys busy and employed. Like what, what made you just say, I'm going to figure this out, payroll cash, you know? And then of course, you know, keeping these guys in, in some sort of understanding what their role is. Yeah. So I had two guys working for me like two years ago, um, during COVID, like when COVID first happened and stuff. Um, I guess we're still during COVID. 
Yeah, kind uh, of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's still uh, after effects for sure. Right. So, um, I, I knew what it was like to have two guys on payroll and, um, they ended up, one guy had to move away and another guy had to go be a stay at home dad. And I was just struggling to find help since then, man, like a year and a half of just hiring and firing and hiring and firing. Um, and then, you know, this custom I'm on the deadline right now and I have more work than I know what to do with there. Plus I have work lined up. I mean, I'm booked in the next summer right now. It's awesome. So I, I'm like, I can promise you work from now until next year. You know, as long as this economy stays strong, um, I don't know if it will, but I do remodels too. And people with money always have money and um, they always want to redo stuff to their house. So I just felt comfortable. Like, I'm like, I, I need the manpower and I need, I didn't just need laborers. You know, I needed guys that knew what they were doing because when I can't be there, I need to make sure that stuff's happening. And I just got lucky, I honestly, because it's hard to find. Everybody says it, right? It's so so hard to find help, right? <laughs> so really what connected is. them? But what connected them to say we're going to take a chance? We're leaving our company and we'll go work with Garrett. Um, I had them come meet me at the custom because I was working there, and I was kind of like they were working on modular homes, like doing really shitty work on modular homes, and they stepped foot on my custom site, and they were like wow dude like this is the type of work you do and i'm like well this is my first one like yeah <laughs> but i got some pretty kick-ass shit lined up for after this so um i just kind of walked them around told them why i did things um and they just were intrigued man they were like yeah we want to come work for you um and then when eric when i had to when i had to fire eric after a couple days i kind of was like hey like i know i hope you guys didn't come as a package deal i hope you guys want to continue to work for me and not ruin this opportunity and they were all about it um and i and i stuck to my word man i i put them at kind of a low rate because i need to see what people can how they perform i don't just go oh you can do that okay here's 30 dollars an hour and then they yeah. they can't do shit um so i kind of have like that vet stage where the first pay period i put them at a lower rate and then we reassess what i think their value is and they're like, oh, well, you know, we've been told that before and I'm a man of my word now, man. And at, at three weeks, the first pay period came and I said, okay, I'm giving you this and I'm giving you that. And they were happy. And I've given Gabe now two more raises since that. Um, cause he's just blown me out of the water, like showing me his skills. So, um, I'm fair to work for, like, I'm, I'm friendly. I'm, I get stressed, but sobriety's calmed me down. So I know how to handle it. Um, I just like to have fun on my job sites, man. I just, and, and, and I like to be able to teach when I can and, and, and do quality work and, and just stand by my work. So I has, it has to be quality if you're going to stand by it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> interesting. Cause you know, when I, Nick and I have had a lot of conversation, Nick with Dennis builders about, yep. you know, in our industry construction, it's very difficult to monitor. I mean, he, for him specifically, he was like, Brad, how do you figure out your end, you know, like pay raises or bonus structure and it, and we're in a builder 20 group and he asked all the builders and everyone's like, I, it's, it, it, it's not, we're not creating widgets, right? Like it's not this production thing where you can track things very easily. It's very complex, right? Our business and our industry of projects and deadlines and customer communication and, uh, just, the, you know, management and subcontractors and trade partners. And so it's hard. So, I mean, have you figured something formal or is it more just a gut feel like Gabe's performing? I'm going to give him a review after a couple of weeks. I've vetted him, but now is it 90 days? Is it 
you know, six months? I mean, how have you worked through just addressing the compensation to make sure that they're not going to just leave you after you've trained them and, you know, groom them into the role they are at now? Well, I feel like, I mean, for anybody in this industry, right, we get good at it. And then eventually, maybe, maybe not. Some people like to work for someone, but I know for myself, like I was a good carpenter and I was tired of making people money. I wanted to go make my own. I wanted to get my own. Um, so I feel like, I think that's kind of like a, I don't know, a drawback or something like you're going to teach someone and if they want to try to go make the leap, they're going to do it no matter what. So, um, while I have them, I'm comfortable teaching them the ways and paying them what, what I think they're worth, man. Like I, I guess I don't really think about that. Like, cause if it happens, it happens. Um, and, and if it does like good on you, like, cause I did it and, and you did it and you know, whoever, all of us have done it all of us worked for somebody at one point or at least i think i think we did so yeah like, most of us yep um i had really good mentors and they taught me to the point where i felt like i could take the leap and that's kind of what i hope i can do like if if they do at least they they were taught like i i always go back to my uncle like he taught me how to do stuff and he taught me how to do it right like i never learned from somebody that did bad work so i just don't know what bad work i know what bad work is because i see it but i don't it's not in my vocabulary. Like I, I can't settle. Um, I hate using the word perfectionist because there's nothing, no such thing as perfection. It does not exist. Um, so I, I've done a post on this before. Like I, instead of perfection, I strive for excellence. Um, and if I ever get that thought in my brain where I'm like, ah, is that, is that okay? Is the customer going to see that? I'm like, fuck that, rip that down. Like I just had that thought, take that down, like, yeah. and make that right. Cause that's not how I should be thinking. So, um, yeah, man, I just, I, 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 I hope that one day he will spread his wings. I mean, he's only 20, dude. Like, yeah, young. so young, so young. They make me feel old. I'm, I'm going to be 35. Like I got like 20 year olds working for me. I'm like, dude, I've been doing construction as long as you've been alive. Yeah. Like, oh my God. <laughs> That's crazy, man. That's amazing. Crazy. So I, I know the company's evolved and you mentioned you're doing a $3 million custom home right now. So when did the new home construction come into play? You know, how did that change your business model and just what, what opened the door? Cause a lot of people struggle. Well, I'm here, but how do I get there? Right. And how did you get your first new build being that you were focused on self-performing and remodels in the past? So, yeah, I mean, I, I started off in the renovation world and that's kind of all I did. I did, I would do an addition here and there, which is kind of new construction, but not mm -hmm. really because you're yeah. tying in the, the new to the old and you got to kind of make it match and all that. Um, so I, I built my own house, um, dream of any carpenter, right? Like I, that was my dream. Like I can remember being young and just like my uncle, we built my uncle's house and I can remember being, seeing how excited he was to build his own house. And I'm like, one day I'm going to build my house and. Um, I finally got to do it and it was fucking stressful, but awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, I, I posted it, I broadcasted it on social media. Um, I had, I had always wanted to build homes. Like that was, I got roped into renovations cause it just happened. Um, but I always wanted to get to new construction. Um, so I said, this is a perfect opportunity for me. I can broadcast my, my home build, my own personal build. and uh, sure as shit, man. Someone that followed me that I I've known for a while, actually. Um, he was like, I didn't know you built houses. And I was like, Instagram, Instagram, right? <laughs> oh, 
Poor Instagram. Um, she's like, <laughs> I didn't know you built houses. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I'm building my own right now. You know, I, I'd love to, I'd love to do one. And um, he emailed me the plans that we had a meet on site and I bid the job out. I, I did a straight bid for the phase one. So phase one was uh, we had to blast the site, um, all the site work, the foundation, the frame, all that. And numbers looked good and signed a contract. And I was like scared shitless. I'm like, oh my God. Like it was a, the most money I've ever seen written on a document in front of me to give to a customer. And, and B, it was only for the phase one. <laughs> and I'm like, God damn. Like, oh man, I hit send though. And he called me, um, was like, let's do it. And it's just, uh, I've been, I've been broadcasting that build now for a year. I actually have a sign down on my job site at the main road with follow the life of Bub and the hashtag that I have to take down now because life of Bub's dead. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah, it's, it's gotten me crazy amounts of phone calls. Um, now it seems like everybody's calling me for a house, like my sheet rocker. I'm building my sheet rockers house next. Um, then my mother's going to be building the house. I'm doing a huge addition for some people. Like it's gotten me that all my jobs, all my jobs in the, for the future right now are all new construction. It's really cool because people say, well, if I'm starting my business, how do I start? As you mentioned, I mean, there's a couple of ways, uh, you know, if you do a spec home or you're building maybe for a friend and you may come in inexpensive because it's your first project, you want to get your name out there, but then you can leverage that through those social media job signs. You know, people are seeing that your hashtag, they have on your job signs, you mentioned Garrett, but you know, as you think about where you are as a company, I mean, it's it's amazing to see your growth and like to get into the custom home world, it's different, right? And so understanding how to price something as a remodel as opposed to custom, totally different process. You know, durations are different, whether you're doing cost plus or like a lump sum, you know, what do you attribute to just the education, trying to understand over the years? Because even if you're self-performing as a carpenter, your burden rate and your hourly rate is going to be much different than charging as just a supervisor. So what do you attribute to just the education and continual process to, to work on your business as far as just the financial side? Um, I just, man, like Instagram is, that's like one of the coolest parts about Instagram is like platforms. Like I, you know, I get to talk to guys like you. Um, I, I would say that finances are hard, man, especially in the construction world. Like I, I said this to someone the other day and they looked at me like I had eight heads. I said, every, every business owner, eats shit sometimes whether it's a little bit or a lot of it like i do lump sum bids um sadly after our conversation the customers did not want to do cost plus they were like no we're not doing that um so i didn't really know what to say i I couldn't i couldn't argue with them like they're like no like you gave us a price for phase two um which they made a shit ton of changes on with change orders so it doesn't even matter um but, uh, so I do lump sum bids for most all my jobs. Um, and I've gotten pretty good at it. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I've made good money on this job, but there has been parts where I'm like, fuck, I forgot that. And I'm, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ask the homeowner for more money. So that's what I said to this guy. Like everybody's got to eat shit sometimes. And he's like, yep. he's like, well, well, I just asked him for more money. And I'm like, no, like I can't do that. Like, cause I promised you a product for a price. And if I'm wrong, that's not your problem. Um, unless you've made changes. If there's changes, I have change orders right. in my truck and I pull them out and I say, sign right here and give me the money because you're, you're making changes. Like, I'm good about that. But if it's something in the scope of work that I told you a price for 
and I have messed up. That is totally on me. Um, so that's. So how do you I, handle this conversation? And here's why I say that, because a lot of people listening, just to break this down a little bit, a lump sum is when you're giving them a price, say not, typically it's like the house will be a million bucks, right? And so that's the contract, but you as a contractor, you're taking the risk. Uh, uh, cost plus, you're giving them a price. It's not really a hard price. It's more of an estimate because it's cost plus. At time of purchase of material and labor, here's actual cost. And you're trying to be a good steward and give them a good guessment so they can budget. But a lot of times our clients may speak out of both sides of their mouth, right? Where they may say, okay, Garrett, you know, I want a lump sum, but how much are you making? You know, what's, what's your price on the lumber? What's your price on this? And so they, they want to hold you hot, not hostage, but they want to hold you accountable for the lump sum. But at the same time, are there rebates? Are there discounts? Do I get part of that? How do you handle that conversation to say, I'm at risk, you know, this is not open book and get through that, just that challenge, or has that come up in the past? So I have a clause in my contracts that state, like, especially in the world that we're living in right now, where the materials are just going up and down, up and down, um, that basically stating that my lump sum bid is at prices of material at the time that I've given you this bid. And um, as jobs progress or get closer, or while we're going through them, if there's a material change, um, like I have to, I shouldn't eat that like that. And by signing the contract, they're agreeing to doing that, which has happened on the custom. Like I'm like, Hey, the framing package was a now, and now it's this, like, I'm sorry. Um, but I need some more money in there. And they were cool with that. And most people are because you know, if you don't read the contract, that's not my problem. <laughs> it's, it's there for a reason. Um, it's a good contract and, um, you know, just read it and, um, understand that, I shouldn't have to eat things on. I mean, it's just crazy, man. It seems like every month there's like, oh, Anderson windows are going up 8% and uh, LP smart crazy. side is going. Yeah. yeah, it's just, so it's like, I can't especially absorb all like, of that. You can't forecast it. No, no. Um, so like what I did on my custom is I just ordered shit as soon as it was, I was like, okay, I'm going to need windows. I'm going to need my pillow windows in, uh, in September. And I ordered them in July and they showed up at Hammond Lumber and they sat there. I'm like, no, keep them in the storage unit. Like, I'll let you know when I need them. And it's like, all right, I need the kitchen by February. So kitchen cabinets right now are like 28 weeks out. So I'm ordering them now. Like, so that's kind of how I worked on the draws and keeping prices, trying to keep them good for the customer and not be like, hey, it's more money. Like ordering stuff ahead of time and trying to stay on top of it. So importance of contract. You mentioned this very early on in the conversation. Do you contract every project? How, is, how important is that, especially as you're alluding to now, really an escalation clause that's covering you? You may eat some things, but maybe it's a percentage like, hey, I bid it here, but if it goes up a certain percentage, then that's on you because you can only cover so much. And so whether it be escalation clause, contracts in general, how has that played a role and how have you edited or refined that contract over the years? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I just... I you know, I feel like materials always are up and down, but nothing like we've been dealing with obviously in the past three years. But, um, I got screwed a lot. Like I'd be like, Oh, I'll estimate this. And, and, uh, that's the price. And then like, you know, you go to the, do the job and I, I buy all the materials and I do the job. And then at the end of the job, I'm like, Oh shit. Like those are $5,000 more than I had estimated this for. And I didn't have a clause in my contract. So now that's five grand of my profit that I just lost. Um, 
So it was, dude, trial and error, man. Trial and error is killer. Yeah, yeah we, we've talked about it. Like, it's just, yeah, it's not all rainbows and lollipops over here. Like, it's trial and error has made my contracts get better and better over the years. And when I, when I did this custom, I, I knew, like, I, I had to have, I mean, this is a big, this is a big fucking job. It's, uh, I'm not telling you anything you don't know because the jobs you're doing are huge. But um, for, for Maine, like not even on coastal Maine, this is a big job. And I just knew I had to cover my ass. And the homeowners, dude, thank God, like they, they're awesome people. So that's made this like a treat for me. Um, cause it, uh, if it had gone the other way, I don't know, like being on a job this long and then having the, the customers be a nightmare. I don't know. I don't know how well I would have done with that. So I'm, I'm super fortunate in that aspect where the customers have just been awesome and appreciative. And you know, the, the last three weeks, dude, we went from like, it seemed like nothing was really happening. And then it was like, poo, like siding on the house, like cabinets are in flooring's going down tiles happening. Like, and they're just like, Dude, they came to me two weeks ago and the, the husband and he was like, hey man, like our house is under contract. Like we need to move into this house. Uh, like we're closing and we have to be in by August. And he's like, we're nervous. And I was like, he's like, and what makes me more nervous is you don't seem nervous. And I was <laughs> like, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm not nervous. Like, I'm like, we're on target, man. Like everything's good. And he's like, well, I hope you're right and blah, blah, blah. And I was kind of thinking like, I got that conversation got my mind. Like, I'm like, what can I do better to like make them feel like more is happening? And I cracked the whip on all my subs. Like I, my tile guy was kind I got why they were being a little nervous. Um, and I cracked the whip on like all my subs. We had a big group meeting and I said, okay, everybody, I need a weekly schedule. And if you don't want to make one, I'm going to make one for you. And they were like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I, we're going to set goals for the week. And by the end of the week, whether you have to work Saturday or Sunday, it's going to get done. Um, I'm like, these people need to move in by July. And this is where we're at. And this is how much work we have to do. And dude, it was like the best thing I could have ever done. Like all my subs were like, no, that's not happening. There's no way that's happening. And now three weeks later, everybody's like, wow, this is going to fucking happen. Like, I'm like, yeah, of course it is. Because we set a schedule like, you know, like, uh, I don't know. It's a good feel. Like I'm. I'm like on cloud nine right now. Like, it's just so cool to see this all coming together finally. And like looking at these drawings that I've looked at for like a year and actually seeing the pictures that the architect designed. And it's like, that's now it's in front of me. You know what I mean? That's the glory of what we do, man. Yeah. I mean, just as you mentioned, I mean, you can see the excitement, not only in your presence, but also your voice, right? Garrett? That it's like, this is why we work hard. It's just, you know, there's the chase, right? You're chasing this project, chasing that growth, you get it. And then now it's like, as you said, if you've, fail the plan you plan to fail right and so you're you're building the schedule but you made an important part and this is super important is how do you vet your clients because things may seem great at the initial they can go sour for different reasons you know from that aspect how you know the interview process you're going to be at this client for a long time a couple of years how have you learned to refine just vetting clients in your pre-construction process so it's funny when I was, <laughs> I used to have a questionnaire and when I was on the modern craftsman, Johnny shit all over. <laughs> he, he was like, he's like, yeah, yeah, those don't work. People can lie. And I was like, fuck, you're right. Like people can lie. So I stopped doing those. Um, the good thing, the good thing with my, 
uh, up here in Maine, I think it's anywhere. It's like word of mouth, man. Like all of my work comes from word of mouth. It's like, it's either, it's either a customer told a friend or a family member told another family member or my lumber yards pushing the work. So like, I, I kind of vet like that. Like I, I get a call and then I call my customer and I'm like, Hey, so-and-so called me, like, tell me about them. Um, cause that's all my work is literally, I'm doing work for a customer's friend or a family member. Like that's, it seems like word of mouth. Like I don't market myself. I, I guess on Instagram I did, mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't do much work for people that didn't know someone else I did work for. Like that's kind of like, it just keep, keeps rolling like that. So that's kind of how I vet. I just call the customer or the family. I'm like, Hey, like tell me about this person. Or like I call my, I ask my lumber yard, like how do these people seem? And then maybe I have them come into the lumber yard and, and meet them. Um, I don't know. I can read people pretty well, man. Um, I'm also a very trusting person though. So I've been taken advantage of for sure. Um, which stings. Like I had a bad job last year, uh, where I had to put a lien on someone's house cause they weren't going to pay me for the materials I had out of pocket. Um, so, uh, betting, I could probably get better at it, but, um, I haven't had too many bad episodes. Uh, I've been pretty fortunate in that besides this, the one I'm talking about. Well, it's really good. I mean, you bring up the backbone of really your business, which is the word of mouth, because now it allows you not just the, the ability to vet a client, you know, individually that you have, you know, being able to read people well, but that no network, you can, you know, ask questions and figure out a little bit more about the person. But even though that's the backbone, really what supports that, and you mentioned this early on, is that, you know, the client you're working for, they're like, oh, I didn't know you did construction, you know, but until they start to follow your Instagram, they see that. And when you think about the sales process, it's always like seven points of impact, right? Visual impact. And I can relate because on LinkedIn is a platform I use a lot. And I had some neighbors that, um, they knew I was in construction, but they didn't really understand like to what level or what that meant. I mean, they probably had no idea what I did. And then on LinkedIn, I'd post, you know, our content and projects. And finally, I remember seeing them. They're like, Brad, now we understand what you do. So when we build a house, you're going to build our house. And, you know, there's so much disconnect of what construction is, what a contractor is. And so you may have the word of mouth, but the back or as the backbone, but still the supplement, right? Is as you mentioned, the social media that people can now not just gauge your experience, your capability, your quality, but also the personality, which is a huge part for them as well as you. For sure, dude. It's actually funny. I just, um, I got an email today. Like there's a big company around here. They're called Knickerbocker. Um, and they just build, like my buddy Ben, who helped me frame up the custom is on one for them right now framing. And it's like 20,000 square feet, like monster houses like you build. Like the, It's like your personal house. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's like the big crazy houses you do, and like I'm like, like twenty thousand square feet, like what the fuck? That's like <laughs> ten ten of my houses. Yeah. But um, they reached out to me in email, and um, he was like, uh, he emailed me just like, hey, we're looking for some subcontractors, and I was kind of like, ah, I don't really do sub work, you know, like I'm the general contractor, like I want to be you guys maybe one day, like I don't. Um, but I, I texted the guy, his phone was there. So I, I just shot him a text. I said, Hey man, like, I just want to say like, honest truth. Like it feels pretty cool that a company like you just reached out to me. I'm like, but like, you know, that's not really my cup of tea. I appreciate it. Blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, Oh yeah, no problem, man. He's like, I, I tried, I found your website and I tried to go on your Instagram and <laughs> it wasn't there anymore. I'm like, ah, oh! I'm like, cause then they would have seen like the work that I'm doing. So I'm like, Hey yep. man, like just for the future, like if you ever wanted like a full house built, 
and maybe like that would be something I would maybe consider teaming up on you with. Um, I I sent him some pictures of the house that I'm doing, and he was like, "Holy shit, man! Like good work!" And you know, I was just like, "That dude, that's that's cool." I I don't know. I like I'm all about the collaboration and like having a community. Like so many contractors in Maine, like some of us just I get along with everybody, but some of these guys just like I don't know, man. They they have that. that Keep it victim. too close to the vest. Yeah, they they and they're like. You know, like I, I, wa- I was, uh, I was at the lumber yard today and I pulled up in my new truck and I was smoking a cigarette, I think writing an email. Um, and some guy walks by and, you know, I hear him mumble, must be nice. And I, I can't, fu- I can't fucking stand that dude. Like, yeah, I'm like, A, it is fucking nice, but I work hard for it. And it's like, you know, you could have it too. Like put your mind to it, man. And I just, I can't stand that attitude. It's just like, how about like, I don't know, let's have a conversation. I don't know, like maybe you, I, I don't know. It's just like, must be nice. I just, oh God, drives me crazy, dude. I just, yeah. I hate the negativity. Well, and you're a super positive person, hence the reason you're successful. But I mean, again, this whole con- context of this conversation is that, yes, yeah, someone say it must be nice, Garrett, but little do they know, like the the challenges and trials you've been through your entire life to get you to where you are, right? And the amount of hard work right. and- you know, going to that point when you're talking about just understanding the client project reaching out that, you know, it is important that we understand where we excel, right? Our scope of work, where we're versatile, like really what, where our lane should be, where we're capable because some of the best advice I was given, there's a builder, Richard Jaffa, that builds in Park City, Utah, builds these amazing, like amazing homes. And he was always like, he tells me all the time, Brad, he's been building like 60 years. So he's always like, he's in his eighties, you know? And he's like, Brad builders die of indigestion more than starvation. You know, that's always his thing that a lot of times, you know, we just try to, it's the, the shiny new object we're chasing and, Oh, we got this. And, but without having a plan or systems or understanding of how we're going to complete that and finish that. And is that within the scope of work we can perform? That's where the contractors get in trouble. It's that start. It's the indigestion, right? You, you get too busy, you take on too many projects, or you just don't understand that flow. And it's a really tough balance because we've been through recessions and it's hard to do that. And, um, but, but Garrett, I mean, for you, I want to be sensitive to your time. I mean, it's amazing. Like I, I wanted to get you on, I was inspired by your story and even more so now just you diving in about the personal worth, you know, the value, the, the sobriety, what you've been through. I mean, you're, you're a tremendous example to myself, to other people, to the industry. And we need more people such as yourself that have the energy and the, you know, the willingness to share and just, Hey, here's how I am. Take me and, you know, let's go from here. So for those listening, um, what do you have that's upcoming and exciting? Um, I, uh, you know, finishing this custom build is going to be huge. Um, and I plan to take a, at least a week vacation because I haven't (laughs) taken a vacation in a year and I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy some time off with my wife, my pregnant wife, Super pregnant wife. Congrats, by the way. That's awesome. When did <laughs> she Thanks. do? Um, she is due September 3rd. Wow. So it's like, seems like she's getting bigger by the week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Going to be um, uncomfortable pretty soon too. Yeah. So that's super, like, I'm like, dude, I'm going to be a dad. Like that's it's crazy. I'm like, like I would have been five years ago, man. I would have been scared shitless. And I'm like, <laughs> not, I'm not scared. And Megan thinks it's weird. She's like, you're not scared at all. I'm like, no, I'm excited. Yeah. Like I get to, I get to have a baby boy and I get to be like a kid again and like do it all over. Like that's fucking so cool, fun. man. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so that's super exciting. And then, um, just like the projects lining up like this, uh, 
this house that I'm going to talk to my sheetrocker about is like a barn dominium type house, kind of like mm-hmm. not RR building style, not right. not like pole barn, but like that type. So I'm, yeah. I'm pretty I'm pretty excited. It's like modern barn house build. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's gonna be pretty cool. And then a big addition that we got coming up and potentially building my mother's house, uh, breaking ground on that. And I have a spec house. I bought some land and I'm I'm wow. working with Steve. I'm working with Steve Basic on a design right Good now. Good for you. To, for a, for a spec house. So I, I guess that's like five things I just said, but I'm excited for all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and now that you have a new Instagram, we can follow along. So social media yes. handles, how can you know people reach out to you? Yeah, so it's gwdavis.co. That's the company name, which I actually, as much as I love the life above, I actually kind of like stoked about that because now it's my company name. Professional, um, yeah. A little Instagram more professional. Now, yeah. Like that's kind of where, not to get back on it, but I'm, that's where I'm kind of like, maybe this is my time to like reset, man. Like, and like, yeah. you know, be, you know, I don't know. Anyways, but yeah. Rebuild so the strategy it. or marketing or whatever it may be. Yep. Right, right, right. Um, and I'm also on TikTok. I don't do a lot on there. That's the life of Bub, but T-H-A. Um, and that's about all I do. I'm on Facebook, but I don't post much on Facebook. I'm not, I'm not big into Facebook. So Instagram's basically the place to find me. I love it. Well, Gary, you've been amazing, man. Thanks for reaching out and appreciate the friendship. Look forward to meeting in person one of these days and uh, can't thank you enough for making time today. I appreciate you having me on, Brad. I really do, man. It's awesome to talk to you. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.